Yet he talks about judgment, uh, serious judgment, and we'll get into all that. But I brought, I tried to conclude it last time down to the fact that they knew what God had said. Uh, Obadiah and 15 other books had been written uh, to them and been taught to them uh, there at the temple. Uh, in Genesis chapter 4, about Cain and Abel, uh, about murder and things of this nature. Then you get to Leviticus 18. Uh, and 18 different sexual sins mentioned in just that one uh, section. So they knew what God had said and how God had, they saw how God had responded to uh, their sin. And as we get into this, we're going to talk about several things in relation to that. But uh, honestly, we have 66 books. Uh, we know. Nobody has to put a list out, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, don't do this, don't do that, better do this. Uh, and that's what a lot of times people are looking for. That's what the old independent Baptist used to do. That's what I did. That's, I thought that was what you're supposed to do. Until I grew in the scriptures and found out the problem is not the, the list of do's and don'ts. Problem's the heart. You get the heart and it won't be a problem with doing and you won't. You'll just don't <laughs> on certain things. Nobody has to give you a list. We know what God's talking about. So what, what, let's look at, first of all, what does God think about disregarding what is known? What does God think or what does he say about disregarding what is known? And I think a passage that uh, we're familiar with, and, and I want to just bring out a few details in this, is 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. And we'll look in verse number 23. And the Bible says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because, why do he say that? He says, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. He hath also rejected thee from being king. Now, three key words. We, I teach or I've been filling in for pastor on how to study the Bible. And one of the things you do, you look for key words. And as you go through this passage, there, I find three key words. Words. Now, there's a lot of other things said in there, but I think the three key words, one is rebellion. We talk about, oh, yeah, rebellion. We know what rebellion is. But how's he using it here? He's using it, he said, to despise, abhor, or refuse. To refuse to accept God's authority. Now, this is what, this is what the dictionaries are, uh, and encyclopedias are saying. Resistance. To God. That's what he's talking about, rebellion. He's not talking about just an attitude of a teenager or something like that. He says, when we disregard what we, what we know is right, he said, it is as if we have refused to accept God as our authority. 
And he said, he likens it. That's why that little word as, he, he compares it to witchcraft. And when you go back and you look at witchcraft, that's an interesting thing. It's basically an occultic practice. Do you realize when we rebel against God's word or we disobey God's word, God is, is not just looking at it as an attitude. But God says it's just as if you are a member of a cult. Why? What's the cult done? Reject God's word. Reject God's authority. And so he says this rebellion on behalf of Saul here, he said that was considered as witchcraft or occultic purpose or practice or using divination. Uh, you can look later in, in your Bibles and find Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 10. We'll not take the time tonight, but it, it talks about that same thing there. And then he uses the word stubbornness. My mama said I would... Take that line and I would stretch it just as far as it would go. <laughs> I was stubborn. Now, my wife will tell you I'm sweet. <laughs> but uh, I, there's a stubborn streak in me. And I know there is in a lot of you, whether we'll admit it or not. And I said, well, all right, what are they saying stubbornness is? And this is in the biblical definition here. Dogged determination. The word dogged here is that of tenacity. I'm not going to give up that ferociousness. He says, dogged determination not to change one's opinion or position. A literal physical pushing against someone. In reference to God. Saul had such a... A dogged opinion, he wasn't going to change for nothing. He knew the truth. He even, he even told Saul what the truth was. But he, he redefined it, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit too. But it, he said, it is as iniquity and idolatry. It's not just sin. He said, this is an abomination. He said, I hate it. This term is associated with idolatry. Almost every book in the Old Testament, the problem God had with Israel was a sin of idolatry. They are taking God away and putting whatever they want that will meet their needs or let them do what they want and supplanting them as God. And this is, this is what we do when we rebel and when we become stubborn as Christians. We, we are so tenacious in this. We, we, are, we are involved actually in idolatry in what we're we're refusing to do. You ever ask, had somebody say, well, does that mean I have to quit? You fill in the blank. Does that mean I have to do? Why do we even ask them questions? Because we already know 
what God thinks. But we're trying to find an excuse. We're trying to find someone that will agree with us so that we don't have to do what we want. We will go so far as to create or make a God and worship him so that we can go ahead and do what we want to do. You say, surely not. Why do you have people that go from church to church to church to church? If the preacher preaches on their sin, instead of getting it right, we'll find a church that says it's okay to do that, and we'll go there for a while. But then there's going to be something else in that church that they'll preach on that, and, well, we don't like that, so we, we felt led of the Lord to go someplace else. You see, we're more involved in these things than we want people to really think we are. And notice the third world was rejected. The third word was rejected. He says, because you have rejected my word. He said, I have rejected you. I I think about that judgment seat of Christ. I... I don't want to judge other people because it's going to be bad enough standing in my shoes. And it's not going to be some Sunday school picnic. It is a judgment seat. And as you see how God deals with sin and how he approaches it and and how he, he works with Israel and how he works with us, it's no different. And what he expects from us is no different. So as you're going through here, first of all, they disregarded what they already knew. What They knew what was right. We know what's right. Go out and ask the lost person how a Christian's supposed to be. They'll tell you. But you tell a Christian, they'll get madder and wet hen, and they'll leave the church. Instead of getting something right. Why? Because it's the heart. It's that rebellion. It's that stubbornness. I'm not going to change no matter what. Now watch this. Satan's tactics. They read the redefinition here. They redefined. They redefined. Look in Romans chapter 1 verse 23. Romans chapter 1. And look in verse 23. And he says, and they changed... Notice that word, what they do. They changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man and the birds and the four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up, rejected them. Gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts. To dishonor their own bodies between themselves. And I thought, now wait a minute. If they're making idols out here, if they're making four-footed beasts like God and everything, why are they so caught up on the sexual sins? That's what they were wanting. And they made a God. They found a church. They did whatever they needed to do in order to go ahead and justify and live the kind of lifestyle they wanted. And God's going to say, Burger King, have it your way. Go ahead. Matter of fact, he says, now they're, 
you're, you're cut off. You're rejected. Now, now watch this. He goes on. Who changed the truth of God into a lie. Now that's two things they've changed. They've changed the glory of God. And they've changed the truth of God into a lie. And worshiped and served the creature. That's us. More than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause. God rejected them. He gave them up. Under vile affections. Even their women did change the natural use. Into that which is against nature. Wow. Holy or the glory here. the, The term glory is. The very image of God, who he is. They changed who God is. All his attributes, as he shows his attribute in our lives, then he's showing himself to the world. But when we refuse to live the way God says and obey what God says, you don't see the attributes of God. All you see is we're like the rest of the world. You know, you've changed the glory. You know, we're, when, when you see stars out here, I mean, they're out there and it's so beautiful. But when the sun comes up, when the glory comes up, all these other things fade away. <laughs> you don't see the stars. That's what he's trying to do. He is trying to show himself, his character, who he is in us to the degree that they don't see us so much anymore. They see him. And what did they do? They changed the glory. And then they changed the truth. What did Saul reject? He said, you have rejected the word of the Lord. When we choose and we won't change and we're going to be stubborn and staunch and and I'm going to get my way, then, then what happens? We have to change the truth to adapt to our lifestyle or what we want or how we want God to be. And so we create a little God over here. That's why you have so many different denominations and stuff. They want to do what they want to do, and they'll devise a denomination to do it. You, you show me a, a, a religion or, or tell me what you want to believe, and I'll show you a church you can go to that believes it. There's churches that take naked women, and they literally pass them in the aisle through all the ushers all the way down to the front, lay them on the front, and have communion on them. Right here in America. And they call themselves churches. And they say they're worshiping God. How many rock stars and, and drug addicts and say, so, well, we're, we're doing this to, we're, we're just glorifying God. Hustler Magazine. The author said, that's why I published the Hustler Magazine, to glorify God. What they do? They changed the truth into a lie. And they worshiped and served the the creature, us, more than the creator. And God says, I'm rejecting that. Yeah, politicians all over. Boy, they're talking about God now. Why? Because it's supposed to be God and family and country. 
Well, they don't believe it, and that's why they vote the way they do. Uh, that's Satan tactics. Now think about it. We've changed, we've changed God's holiness. Used to be people preach on holiness. Uh, most folks don't preach on holiness. Christians look and act like they want. The worship, you go to many churches and it's just like a disco. It is. I, I, I come back, I, we had a church supporting us out in California and good fundamental church we go to the mission field. We're back about six years later. You, honest to God, I used to play in the discos and the rock band. I, I thought I was in a discotheque. I thought I was in a bar. You, you don't have to be like the world. He says, be transformed, changed from the world. Why, do, why are Christians so afraid of, the, of the, the word standards? Because we know what's right. We just don't want to do it. We are stubborn. And we don't want nobody telling us what we can do and what we can't do. No, we've got a heart problem. We've got a heart problem. Humanity. Have they changed the truth? How many genders are there now? Two, same thing I've always been. I'm, I ain't into this LBG, ABC, D, what, whatever it is now. I, you can pick every letter. I mean, the rainbow still stands for God and his promise. They've changed the truth into a lie. Sodomy's normal now. You, you don't have right and wrong anymore. If you stand for right, uh, boy, they stuck. I was listening to the news a little bit before I came. And this one, they put one of the advertisements of one of the people. And what they were blasting them for was believing that it was wrong to murder a baby. And, and just some of the basic things. And they called them the enemies of America. You're looking at one then. Because that's exactly what we believe. And they're being so open and bold about it. What have they done? They've changed the glory of God. They've changed the truth of God. And they're just simply worshiping themselves. Drinking's not wrong anymore. Sodomy's not wrong. Blasphemy's not wrong. Truth is not truth. Now, as we get into this, as we get into Joel, in chapter 1, the first chapter, we're going to see a description of the past desolation. What he does is go to the first thing. He goes into the past and he shows them an illustration. And God himself later on says, this is of me. Remember what we read there in verse number 15? The destruction is from the Almighty. Okay. When Babylon comes, it's not, from, it's not the destruction from the Babylonian army. It's from God. When the locusts come, it wasn't the destruction from the locusts. God said, it was my army. And when the judgment comes, it's going to be God. 
But we don't see them. We don't look at those things. And that's the problem. Israel wasn't looking at those. In the first chapter, we see that past desolation. The second chapter, we see the advance of an army. The Babylonian armies. And then in the third chapter, we're going to see the awful gathering of the, in the valley of Jehoshaphat. The battle of Armageddon. You cannot imagine. You don't realize at that point, over half, over four billion people are dead. In seven years, four, four billion people are dead. In the first three and a half years, two billion are dead. Now, we think COVID and all that. We'll get to that here in a bit. But uh, it's, we don't look at these things as from God. We think, well, it's just Mother Nature. And you know how I feel about Mother Nature. And, and, and you know, well, it's just, that's Putin. No, it's not. And we better start doing what Israel did not do and look at what God has put in front of us. So now, notice how God responds to sin. How does God respond? In 2 Samuel chapter 24, this is a tremendous passage. You ought to get, put stars around it. I mean, uh, memorize the whole thing here. In verse number 13, 2 Samuel chapter 24 and verse 13, the Bible says, So Gad came to David and told him and said unto him, Shall seven years of famine come unto thee in thy land? Or... Wilt thou flee three months before thine enemies while they pursue thee? Or that there be three days pestilence in thy land? Now advise. See what answer I shall return to him that sent me. God said you have three choices. Nature, man, or God. That's how God deals with man. You see it all the way through the scriptures. And that's what you're going to see in the book of Joel here. Watch how, watch how he deals with Judah. In chapter 1, he uses nature. Okay? He had a, there was a locust plague. Destroyed everything. I mean everything. Trees, brush, grass, crops, everything. Just simply nature. Then in chapter 2, he's going to use man. He brings the Babylonian armies. How many, how many wars do you think are going on right now? 27. You're aware of Russia and Ukraine. Afghanistan is still going full bore. They're just not in the media because it's not popular, not politically popular. Yemen, they're so starving down there because of the war. Children are eating their own fingers. They're finding children literally eating their own fingers. They're starving. The war is going on. People are killed left and, and right. Myanmar. 
I mean, the devastation and stuff, and the, they don't let the media in, and all of this, and they're killing people left and right. Ethiopia, Syria, all these things are still going on. All we think of is maybe one little war. I mean, you've got a world in chaos, and God is going to use man to get our attention. That's what he used to get Judah's attention. And then chapter 3, we get there, God steps in, and he uses all three. The Antichrist comes riding on a white horse with Boney's hand, comes conquering and to conquer. War. That's the war with Russia and, and, and the Antichrist. But he comes with war. And what happens with war? You have famine because all of this, it's a progression. Because nobody's fighting. They're, they're out fighting the war. The crops are failing and, and, and all the devastation and stuff. What's happened in Ukraine? They can't get their their crops that they have to, to market. So in the, the people begin to starve. You, we're, we're helping folks down there in, in Florida. That, we only had 120 folks down there die. Can you imagine when the whole world is in chaos? When your whole country is overrun, you're not going to be out there planting taters. I'm sorry. And then comes the sickness and the plagues and all of this. And nature, the hailstones, a hundred pounds, hailstones fall out of the sky. Meteors and things like this are hitting the earth. when, When we get into this and you really start, that's why I'm covering these things now. So you can get a hold of what we're, we're getting into so that when you're there, you, you can put it together and understand what, what God is doing. He, he said, this is how I deal with you. I deal with you through nature. Well, how about uh, uh, Florida? Well, that's just, that just a hurricane. Well, who do you think makes hurricanes? Not Joe Biden. Can't blame it on him. A lot of other things, but God. And God is trying to get the attention of people. COVID. You say, well, that, that, was, that was China and everything. Well, he used Pharaoh too, didn't he? I have no doubt in my mind, and you can put this on the TV, radio, newspapers, whatever... But COVID was of God. God was, is trying to get the attention, not just of one country, over six and a half million people died. It was only about 583, I think it was, from the N1 flu or whatever it was. Do you think God's trying to tell us something? The first thing he tells Joel, he says, tell your old men, look back. Has anything happened like this before? 
He said, I'm trying to show you. And as you get in, even when he's talking about Babylon, he's using the terminology of the locusts and how they come in and how they march and all of this. And God says, that's my army. I did this. Wasn't locusts just got hungry. God says, I am the one that is controlling nature. And I am the one that is controlling Putin. And if you get through those two, then you've got to talk to me. And he said, in chapter 3, I'm going to give you all three. It is going to be absolute carnage and chaos all over the world. Now, God used plagues. God used drought in order to to devastate the land of Judah, in order to get their attention. I I believe God's putting us in a recession. You say, well, are you blaming everything on God? Not blaming, but I know who's in control. Trying to get the attention of people in America and people around the world. We're the ones that have the gospel. We're the ones that should be getting it out to the world. And we're not doing it. Oh, we're making a little little stab. But we're not evangelizing the world like he wants. So what did he do? He went back and he stirred up men to bring persecution so that the church would go out and do what they're supposed to do. He used men. So as you get into this and you, you begin to see what, what God, God's doing. Now watch this real quickly and then we'll close. Joel asks a question in verse chapter 1 and verse number 2. He said, hear this, ye old men, and give ear all ye inhabitants of the land. Hath this been in your days or even in the days of your fathers? He, he asked, just basically asked the question. Focus on this, folks. He said, has there been anything like this in the past that you can remember? He said, that was me trying to get your attention because I'm about ready to do something big. Open your eyes. In chapter 2, he asks another question. In chapter 2 and verse number 11, look there. He says, and the Lord shall utter his voice before his army. Notice it's his army. (laughs) For For his camp is very great. For he is strong that executeth his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. And he asks the question, and who can abide it? Who's going to live through it? Who's going to be able to handle it? There might be those that are a little puffed up and proud and say, well, I can do it. They're dumber than a box of rocks. Or oh, you might get around COVID. 
You may get around Putin. You ain't getting around God. All of this, he says, there is no one that will escape. None. When he's talking about, in in this chapter 2, he's going to bring in and nobody is going to escape from Babylon. And then in chapter 3, he asks a question to the old men in chapter 1. He asks a question to everybody who's going to escape in chapter 2. And in chapter 3, there's no question. Why? It's too late. It's too late. What does that tell me? It tells me that God is a God of deadlines. You you ever read the verse back in the New Testament where he says, uh, so and so? He says, I tell you, do not pray for him. Why? He passed the deadline. There are people we've witnessed to and, and tender to the gospel and witness to and somewhat tender and witness to and a little bit harder and finally it got to the point and they said I just don't care I used to feel convicted I don't feel anything yeah I can I can quote you the gospel I don't feel nothing I see what you're saying I don't want it And to that, as far as I know, the old boy died. Lost. You don't just put off the gospel until you get ready. You get ready. God says today is the day. Now is the accepted time. You get saved on God's timetable when he's asking you to get saved. Not when you think it would be a good idea or when you get things straightened out. But as Christians. You don't, you don't get right when you think it's a good, good time to get right. You get right when God speaks to your heart and says, that's wrong. And you know it's wrong. You have to, pray, have, to have the preacher come and write it on your wall or, or send you a letter and say, hey, you, you, you sin. No, no, you know it's sin. And if we do not get these things right, he said there is a time when... It's all over, buddy. You have passed that deadline. Israel was not. The people out there in the ark, God said, I shut the door. And you can cry and scream and beat on the wall and try to crawl up on top of the ark and whatever you're going to try to do ain't going to work. Why? It's too late. How many times have I visited people on their hospital beds? And that's when they won't get things right. I've had people saved in the hospital beds. I've seen them get right with family members in the hospital bed because they thought they were going to die. And they wasted their life in bitterness and in and, and, and just wickedness and holding on to that that was temporary that they're going to lose in, in an hour anyway. 
when we get into this book of Joel, he's going to give us, show us nature, what he's done and trying to get our attention. He's going to show us what's going to happen to Judah and what can happen to us. And then he's going to show us when you cross the deadline. He says it's too late. Now, for Christians, yes, we'll go in the rapture. We will not go through the tribulation. But those people we know and we love, they're going to die and bust hell wide open. And they'll go into the tribulation. And it's all over. When God speaks to your heart, now is the time to get it right. I've seen college kids during, during the preaching, even in the middle of the preaching, while the preacher is still preaching, they get up out of their seats and they come down and they get right with the Lord. Why you wait till the end? If God's dealing with your heart, ah, pride. Pride's a sin. Pride's going to keep you from that other side of the deadline. We have got to get serious about Christianity. We've got to get serious about our lives. And as we get into this book, little bitty old book, but it is so jam-packed, I think it will really be a blessing to you and you'll really learn some things. Amen? Amen? Father, we thank you. Lord, you've been so good to us. And I pray, God, that we would start looking at things in this world as it is being from you. You're in control of all things. And Lord, you try to get our attention, try to get our focus. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see the hand of God right in front of our faces. And Lord, that we might yield ourselves to you, repent of our sin, and come back to you. And serve you with all of our heart, not half-heartedly, but with all of our heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. We only have a few minutes left, and he's going to take some prayer requests, and then some of you will go over and see the kids get their awards. Amen. And by the way, thank you all for your prayers. I'm feeling a lot better. <laughs>